Are you ready? This is Moffat on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Alright, there we go. How you doing, everybody? Sorry it took so long, but you know, we have to do about a gazillion hashtags before we get this show on the road. You are listening, of course, to the Moffat on the Mic radio show for this Thursday evening, live as always on the A1 Network Facebook page. Why? Because he is the only one that will have us. (laughs) I am Craig Moffat, and of course, this show would not be complete without the, well, without A1 Sports. And with A1 Sports, we're talking about, of course, Chris Clem. What's up, Craig? Clem, another freaking snowstorm, man. I'm I'm getting sick of it. I really am getting sick. Like, I don't mind one snowstorm. But it's the fact that we keep getting them and getting them again. I'm like, I'm really sick of this shit now. <laughs> it's funny because this morning I got up, it wasn't snowing, right? And normally what we do is we take my daughter, one, my oldest daughter's on vacation this week. My youngest daughter is not. She has to go to daycare. But it started to get really bad right around the time I was going to take her. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? We're just going to keep her home, you know, because there's no reason to, I didn't want to drive. The place wasn't that far away, but I just didn't want to at three o'clock in the afternoon when it was really bad. I didn't want to get in the car and start driving over there. Yeah. She got dressed at seven 45. I told her she didn't have to go to school today. She was in her pajamas at seven 55. <laughs> <laughs> she was like happier than a pig and shit. I swear to God. So she was home all day being useless. And my oldest was always, she's on vacation. So she's being useless. So that's just kind of the day we had today, man. There's nothing you could really do about it. You just got to wait it out. But yeah, it sucks. I mean, this is just, you know, this is for all the people who think that climate change doesn't exist. And, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but I will say this. And, you know, I didn't, you know, we didn't really do this on Monday and I apologize, but um, I wanted to give a shout out to a few of our friends in Texas. And that is, uh, you know, they've been on our show in the past. They've been good friends of the Moffat on the Mike show. And of course I'm talking about the one and only Jake Asman, who was hosting the Jake Asman show. Never dawned on me why he didn't have a live show this week. And now I know why, because it's been rolling blackouts all over Texas <laughs> for the past few days. And uh, to the Pisanos and Eric Hamilton of the What's Wrong With Wrestling podcast as well. Um, hope you guys are staying safe out there. I, I know it's, you know, it's one of those situations where, and Andrew kind of said it really funny today on his podcast, where he said it's like one inch of snow and the town just shuts down. Yeah. Because they don't buy snow tires in texas they don't they don't have like snow plows up the ass like we do in new york yeah. you know we're preparing for a blizzard a week in advance whereas texas is like yeah we think it's coming but we have no idea <laughs> you know no yeah but we definitely you know wish all the best of luck all the love from here in new york to our our friends in texas yeah we just wanted to give them a shout out hope everybody's staying safe i mean hearing this watching the news today was really really tough just watching those people just like literally freezing their asses off. Like it's, it's crazy too. Cause like I'm on you know, every time I go on like Instagram or TikTok or something like that, I just see people's like cars, like frozen people, like indoors in jackets. Yeah, even, even Jake said that too. I was like, I feel so they're bad. Used to that. They're not used to that. And like, I was telling you the story before, but I'll tell it now since we just got on the air. It reminds me of when I went to Seattle the very first time with my dad and my brother. We flew out to Seattle to go to the Jets Seahawks game. Mm-hmm. It was when Favre was the quarterback. 
It was the first snowstorm Seattle had in 11 years. It's nuts. And they, the town was completely shut down. And they didn't even get a lot of snow. It wasn't like they got like a, like a foot of snow. They, they got like a couple of inches like here and there. But it's just not something they're used to. Yeah, it's you're no, not used to it. You have no choice but to take the most extreme precaution, and that's you got to shut down. You got to close stores. You got to do this. Bars were open, no problem. But it was just, and that whole weekend was like that. It just snowed the entire weekend. Yeah, and even like I was, even like I mentioned to you before, like when my first semester in college, and I played football up in Massachusetts. We had two kids from Texas on the team, and I and it happened to snow that day or whatever. And I was like, "Oh, did you guys ever see snow?" Blah, busting their chops or whatever, and they're like, "Yeah." When it snows in Texas, we get like an inch, and literally, it's even to, to back up Andrew, the whole sh- the whole town shuts down because they have no idea. And they're not used to it, and they're not used to, you know, the average winter for them is like fifty degrees. Yeah. So they're not used to that stuff. So you know, you do feel bad for them. I mean, we do. I mean, because it just it just sucks. It's not something they're used to. It's like you ever see the movie The Day After Tomorrow? I love that movie. That's like Texas right now because they don't know how to they don't know how to function. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think they're getting to the point where they're burning books in a library, but no, yeah, I mean, it won't. Get, I don't think it'll get to that point. But it's like again, we feel, we do feel for the our Texas friends down there. So because we were, and the thing was, I I was about to text you to say, oh, maybe we'll get Jake on, and then like it never dawned on me this whole week why Jake because I always get Facebook prompts when Jake is live. Yeah, so do I. Show and like when I didn't get him, I'm like, man, this is weird. I was like, is Jake on vacation? <laughs> I know. Cause I, I I was I was gonna see if he wanted to come message him and see if he wanted to come on today, just to distract him from the uh, the heat. But I felt like you know I was like you know he's probably doing more things. He's probably worrying about more shit than coming on our show right now. Plus, he probably doesn't have internet, unfortunately, right now to come on our show. So I could picture him with like the tin foil on the antennas trying to. Get- <laughs> Jake well, see, Jake's from Jake's from New York. Like yeah, he's he's, New York. He's, he's he knows. I like to think that Jake is resourceful, so I think he could get the job done. He knows. He probably has his winter coach in case he has to come back up here and visit or whatnot. So he, he's probably prepared. But his cross country skis to go to the supermarket. Yeah, he's ready, <laughs> he's ready to rock, man. But uh, so again, we just we really I know we're just we're we're just kidding, of course. And but we hope you know the Pisanos, Eric Hamilton. Uh, Jake Asman, we hope you guys are doing okay. Stay safe, you know, stay warm any which way you can because it's just, just watching the news is just crazy right now. Yeah. You know, um, as for us, you can always follow my show on Instagram at Moff on the Mic and on my Facebook page as well. You can follow Clem and the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. We got a lot to do, not a lot of time to do it. Uh, we're going to get into the Carson Wentz trade today as another quarterback domino falls. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into more Deshaun Watson fatigue. We're going to get into spring training. Mets and Yankees started yesterday, as did a lot, a lot of other teams. Fernando Tatis's monster extension. And um, we're going to focus the end of the show on a couple of teams that I think are going to take steps back in 2021. And I'll reveal those teams a little bit later. So without further ado, let's kick off our show like we always do. It is time for New York Stories. And we start, of course, with the Deshaun Watson fatigue, which is just, I've had enough. At this point, honestly, Clem, I'm going to be brutally, I'm going to be, you know, I know I just said that the Jets have to move on enough already. Like, I I just, I can't deal with this anymore. Like, and you, remember when I said it on the show a few weeks ago and I said, I think it's too good to be true. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to think it's too good to be true. I 
I'm start, I'm starting to think so too. And I even told my friends this yesterday. I was just like, I'm, I'm like, because I'm trying to tell my tell my friends. I'm like, sell me, sell me on Zach Wilson, and like, sell me on Justin Fields because right now. I just don't think that the Sean Watson thing is going down. And I think, you know, what it is, is, you know, especially with Jet fans, we need that franchise quarterback. We, we were begging for that franchise quarterback. It clearly was not Sam. And when all these rumors were coming out about, oh, Deshaun Watson to the Jets, and then when guys like Adam Schefter are tweeting it, like, oh, Deshaun Watson is the number one choice for the Jets or vice versa, whatever it was, it, it gives us this, like, this false sense of hope that, Oh my God! Like we have the draft capital to trade for him. We have the cap. We have the salary to pay him, and we we, we need a quarterback. It just makes it like all this shit just makes sense in our heads. And the the fact that you know we see we see a guy like Philip Rivers traded, Jared Goff and Matt Stafford traded, and then Deshaun Watson, whose yards better than both all three of those guys, mm-hmm. and he's sitting there like in exile right now. It's like. Well, what what what's going on with Deshaun Watson? Yeah, and uh, the latest news came out this morning from the Athletic that basically said that a few sources, according to them, you know, from their sources, of course, say that Deshaun Watson realizes that if he gets traded to the Jets, that they're not going to have enough money to build the team. Which is false, though, because the Jets have the second highest salary cap going into the salary cap number went up too. It was actually the floor, I think, from what I read, is 180 million. So it's going up this year. It's going up to like 185, I think, or something like that when all is said and done. But he's basically saying this is this is according to the Athletic. I don't know what's true because there's been so many stories about Deshaun Watson. I don't know what to believe anymore. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And the thing is, is I'm not knocking Deshaun Watson. Like, I would love to see Deshaun Watson in a Jets uniform week one. Okay? But Jets fans have to accept the possibility that it may not happen. Right. And, I, and I've done that. doesn't happen, I don't want to hear these guys on the, on the social media feeds ripping the team, ripping Douglas and everything. You know, they're on a high because of Robert Sala. Now they're going to be on the low. What do I say about Jet fans, Clem? Highest of highs, lowest, lowest of lows. lows. They're yep. never in the middle. No, yeah, exactly. And a few weeks ago, I, I'm pretty sure I even said on this show, and I've told my friends, I've told other people that I was like, I 100% believe that Deshaun Watson will play in the Jets uniform this year. But now, you know, weeks are coming on, and I'm becoming more realistic. I'm like, you know what? It's not such a terrible idea if Justin Fields is our starting quarterback week one. <laughs> It's not even that. I mean, listen, we want Deshaun Watson. We're not saying we don't want him. Yeah, we don't. We just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And I don't want to build myself up to this, you know, all-time peak and then just come down like a ton of bricks if he gets traded to the 49ers or to the Broncos or even to the Dolphins. No, you're absolutely right. Like, give me Deshaun Watson. But if we're not going to get Deshaun Watson, okay, I'm, I'll take Justin Fields. I, I still need to be sold on Zach Wilson, but give me Zach Wilson then. I'm perfectly fine with any one of those guys if we don't get Deshaun Watson. But here's the important thing, Clem. The Jets cannot afford to let Deshaun Watson hold them hostage during the offseason. Right. The Jets have a lot of stuff they have to fix. 
They have a lot of positions that got to be taken care of this offseason. I'm sorry, but we just can't wait around for Deshaun Watson to make his decision. And we can't wait around for the Texans to finally decide when they're going to trade him. And we can't, we just can't wait. And the thing is, Joe Douglas is in, intelligent enough for me that I don't think he's going to wait. I think he's just going to look, what's the deal? Or we're moving on. Because they have to figure out what are they going to do with number two? What are they going to do with Sam? Right. They have cuts they have to make. And you can't let this guy hamstring you for this offseason. Because this is a crucial offseason for Joe Douglas. You know, you're you're coming off a crappy record of two and fourteen, but a promising first draft class that you put together. It's got potential to be good, but it, we're not there yet. You know, we're not elite yet. What do you do? What is Joe Douglas going to do with the number two overall pick? Does he really like Zach Wilson? A lot of people think Zach Wilson will fit really well with Mike LaFleur's offense. Does he think that another team might give him a King's ransom for that number two mm-hmm. and he'll trade down? It's not a, not a possibility. No, yeah, you're right. Lions could, the Lions may want to trade up. The Panthers may want to trade up. I mean, there's a lot of teams that might want to trade up with them. No, you're, you're they want to trade up just to get Penny Sewell. No, you're absolutely right. You know, and that, and that's what I like. You know, I like the fact that there are so many options that the Jets can go in right now with, you know, trading the second overall pick, going after a guy like Justin Wilson or Justin, or uh, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, Justin Wilson or Justin Field. Maybe even going being crazy and drafting Devontae Smith at the second overall, trading Sam Darnold to the Washington football team for the, their, the 19th overall pick. The possibilities are so wide open right now, and it's it's kind of exciting, but it's also like kind of scary because it's like you don't know what the hell they're going to do. Yeah, and that's something you got to think about. And, you know, maybe they want to keep Sam. Maybe they want to keep Sam and draft Penny Sewell. Mm-hmm. And just like that, you have two bookend tackles for the next 10 years to protect your quarterback. Right. Or even they draft, even they want to keep Sam and they draft a guy like Devonta Smith. And they, they, you, there's your wide receiver core. I mean, like, I, I just think that right now, like, listen, let's call a spade a spade. He has better teams he can go to than the Jets. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're not deluding ourselves into thinking that we're the hot commodity to go with. Okay. But that being said, though, Listen, we have Robert Sala as a chip, and he likes Robert Sala. He likes the idea of coming to New York, but he just doesn't think right now that – I mean, again, we don't know what's true or not, so we can't really – we can't pinpoint it. Yeah, because the two more weeks I'm reading, The more I'm reading these stories, the more I'm starting to say to myself, I think, Sam, I think Deshaun Watson's a pipe dream. Yeah, because two weeks ago it was, oh, Deshaun, the Jets are Deshaun Watson's number one option. Now it's more like – Deshaun Watson doesn't think that the Jets are, you know, have the talent for him, you know, and it's, it's you don't know what to believe right now. It's like two weeks ago, like I said, I was 100%, everything I was reading, I was like, oh, he's coming to the Jets, 100%, 100% coming to the Jets, without a doubt. Yeah. The more shit that comes out and everything that we're hearing now, it's like, maybe he's not coming to the Jets, you know, and I'm not, like, like we mentioned before, not saying we don't want him. Give me Deshaun Watson. I will take Deshaun Watson any day of the week, but I we got to live with the fact that, you know, he might not come here and we might have to live with Sam Darnold for another year, or we might have to draft Justin, uh, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. So that's where we are right now with this. And next week there'll be another Deshaun Watson story. And the week after that, there'll be another Deshaun Watson story. So we finally get to the start of the league year, which is what we want. But at this point, 
I would say 70-30, he doesn't come to the Jets. Yeah. Unless yeah, the Jets I would are, agree with you. You know, I, I just – I'm sorry. I hate to – I don't like to piss on the, the parade of a Jet fan or piss on their campfire, but the fact is, is nothing tells me right now that he is dying to come here and that Joe Douglas is ready to give up the farm to get him. Yeah. Like, I always like to, you know – how do I say this? Sell myself on like, oh, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and he's going to do good and that can do. I'm selling myself on the fact that you know, Deshaun Watson might not be in the green and white in come come September. And that's not a bad thing. It's not. No, yeah. yeah. Honestly, like number one, I lo- I'm very confident that Joe Douglas is going to make the right decisions. But number two, I'm very confident to have Robert Sala as my head coach. To have Robert Sala and Michael Floor on this team. It's just, it's the first time in a long time that we've never really, I don't feel like we have doubt anymore. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we are going to be a very good team moving forward. It's going to take some time. And, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, for the Jets, it hasn't been built in 10 years, but I'm very confident in where the direction is going. It sounds like more to me though. Number one, if you put Deshaun Watson on this team right now, the pressure just went up on Robert Sala. He's going to have to get to the playoffs and get to the playoffs maybe within the first year, first or second year tops. Okay. There's that. The second thing is, again, you got to build a team around him, which means you're going to be more dependent on free agency than you are through the draft, which is what, where the jets have really failed a lot. Jets have failed, you know, with bringing in free agents and stuff like that. So you're going to be geared more towards free agency than building through the draft because you're going to lose your first round picks. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they just want to do it the right way. They know they're not a contending team right now. They know that Buffalo is in a, a much better team than them. And they know Miami is taking steps to being a very strong team. We don't know what new England is going to be in 2021. And on top of that, they got a shitload of cap space. Mm-hmm. I just think he's going to try to build it the right way and not get so blinded by Deshaun Watson that it's going to throw him off from the rest of his plan. Right. So there's that. Now, hate to piss on the Jets campfire some more. I am making a prediction that most fans are going are gonna to hate, but I'm going to say it right now. I don't believe Jamison Crowder will be back with the Jets. Oh. I am convinced he's going to get caught. I saw that today, and I was like, why? I'm why convinced. would we cut Jamison Crowder? Number one, he counts $10 million towards the cap. Number two, the Niners offense, if I remember right, is not predicated on the slot receiver. So he becomes a little bit of an afterthought at that point. And it becomes a question of, do you want to pay the guy $10 million to be a slot receiver that may not get as many catches? Mm-hmm. He's been a great jet. One of a very few McCagnan bright spots. But something tells me moving forward, especially if they draft a receiver this year mm-hmm. and they add a better a free agent like an Allen Robinson or a Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he's going to be expendable. And I also think they really like Braxton Berrios. I hate to agree with you, but I also can see that happening. But, I th- but keeping Jamison, especially if we do draft a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, like, but ha- having a Jamison Crowder there 
it's a good player to have because you saw he can he could easily put up eight nine hundred yards or maybe even a thousand yards in a season. Sure, listen, he's been he's been a really good Jet. You can't take that away from him. I've loved the signing. You know, he's managed to stay healthy for the most part. I know he's missed some games here and there, but I just don't see Joe Douglas going all in on a ten million dollar cap hit. I maybe he restructures. You never know. Maybe he finds a way to restructure the deal. But I think he's going to try to get rid of a lot of dead weight and, you know, which seems to happen every other year with the Jets. But I just don't see, I would love to have him back. And he's also on a contract year too. That's another reason why I don't think he'll be back. I just think that right now, this is not a team that's going to compete for anything. Mm -hmm. So he may want to let Jamison Crowder go to another team and try to win a championship. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's very possible. It very is possible that could happen. And, as much as I would hate to see it happen, I mean, it just gives us more money in the in the free agency to spend on. And we can go out and maybe even sign back Rashad Perriman. I liked Rashad Perriman. I thought from what he when he was healthy this year, he played fantastic, I thought. Well, one of the Jets sites I saw yesterday said it looks like they're gonna they're they may not bring him back and they're not gonna bring back Brian Poole. So yeah, I think Poole. so um, listen, I would love to have Paraman back. Maybe you could sign him as like a late free agent signing towards like the end as you get closer to mini camps and all that stuff. You know, he's not a guy you're going to sign the first day. Right. But um, I just think you're going to see like a, I think you're going to see a few, one guy who I think is probably signed, sealed and delivered to New York. I'd be surprised if he wasn't is Richard Sherman. I was just about to say, I think he loves I, Robert Sala. Like, loves Robert loves- Sala. I, I think it would be a smart signing just for, I'm like, I'm not a Richard Sherman fan. I think he's a little overrated, but he's a little know, past his prime. That too. He's a little yeah. past his prime, but you know, with the young core of, of cornerbacks that the Jets have with Bryce Hall, bless Austin, even Ashton Davis to an extent, you know, they can learn from a guy like Richard Sherman. He's been to the playoffs. He's won the Super Bowl. He's been in Sala's defense. So you can have sign him to a one, two year deal. And I think it would work out fine for the Jets. You know, and I, like I said, I'm not a big Sherman fan, but to grow this defense a little bit more with the young talent that they have, I think signing Sherman is the smart move. Well, he's a veteran. He's going to provide leadership. He knows the defense more than anything. This is going to be a pretty young team again next year. Um, you know, especially in the secondary, because I'm mm-hmm. sure there's going to be carving out new roles for guys like Bryce Hall, Ashton Davis, I think Marcus May is a priority to be re-signed. I, I don't see that. I don't see the Jets letting him walk. Um, you know, today was actually pretty interesting because they showed uh, apparently C.J. Mosley was going to the facilities today. I'm not sure why, but <laughs> apparently he was going to the facilities. So yeah, yeah. Tra- you know, I don't know what he was going for, but those are the types of things you want to see. But having that guy like Richard Sherman back there is very beneficial. Yeah. Now you always want to now you want to make sure you you know either draft a corner this year that can be developed. And but Sherman, you know, listen, he doesn't make the secondary elite by any stretch, but he knows the defense pretty well. So I would expect to see a few Niners players coming to the Jets this year. Like not not in the big dogs, but I could definitely see a few. Yeah, I could definitely – I, but, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you that signed, sealed, delivered, Richard Sermon's the guy. Plus, from what we know from Joe Douglas and what we've seen from signings, he has the attitude – Richard Sherman has the attitude that that uh, Joe Douglas likes in, the, in his players, you know. So, 
getting him here would make a lot of sense in with Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. Yeah. So, but something just tells me like, listen, I hate to say, it cause I love the guy, but I just don't think Crowder is going to be on the team. Oh. See, I, I, like I said, like, I hate, I hate saying that too, but it's just like, I, I agree with you to an extent. It's just, Oh, talking about learning this guy's got to learn a brand new offense which he's never played in before we don't really know to what extent he can thrive in that offense and for me that's just i don't know i just think the cap hit is too much mm-hmm. and i think he's going to try to cut wherever he can to save money so he could go out and rebuild it again like just add guys but you can't keep cutting players either but you know if these guys are expendable then you cut them i mean yeah so, I, mean, I mean, there's a few guys I'm looking at right now who from the 49ers I could see making their way over. Richard Sherman being one of them. I would not be surprised if a guy like C.J. Beathard comes over. From yeah, the- that was interesting. His brother played for Post. He's, his brother was the one who died in that up yeah. in Tennessee. That's that was just crazy. So I yeah I wouldn't be so yeah I wouldn't be surprised if they get because he knows he knows the offense. He's a he's a fine backup from what we've seen. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate having C.J. Beathard here. And I could also see them going after Kyle Jusic, the uh, fullback. Uh, now, are we going to a fullback offense again? Well, Lafleur likes to use him. He was actually a pretty, pretty uh, crazy. Like he plays like multiple roles. Like he's actually like kind of like one of those guys that's under the radar of the offense, right? But an integral part of it. So I could definitely see the Jets going after Kyle Jusic this year. I I, lo- I loved when we used the tight end. I mean, the tight end, the fullback in our offense. When we had Tony Richardson, I was like, oh, my God. Offense was so you're good. You're going to see a lot of wrinkles this year. With the, You're going to see a lot of new wrinkles. It's going to be very refreshing. It's going to yeah. it's going to be some adjustments. So well, overall, I, I, but I – listen, I don't know how much money the Jets are going to spend. One thing I know about Joe Douglas is he likes to make sure he has flexibility. He, is, he doesn't want to sign everybody on day one of free agency. I think he's going to he's going to make his deals, but I think he's going to make sure he keeps himself flexible with the cap. No, absolutely. Because that's what a smart general manager should do. You know, they're not going to dive headfirst into the deep end on the very first day and use up all your cap space, and then you kind of screwed yourself. Yeah, and like, we saw that last year, too. Yeah, it would have been nice to sign a guy like Jack Conklin to help the, on the low line. But in reality, George Fant did a fantastic job at the right tackle. He did good. I he mean, did, a lot of people I thought, I thought he did fine. I thought he did great. You know, it's like we he didn't go out and like McCagnan McCagnan would have easily signed a guy like Jack Conklin, which again, I wouldn't have been mad because we needed offensive linemen. But he but by signing a guy like George Fant maybe saved him like 10-15 million dollars, you know? And then Fant did admirable to good on that offensive line. So fans, tune in next week for the next episode of As the Deshaun Turns, as we, I'm sure, will get the – oh, he doesn't mind playing for the Jets now. I mean, so whatever story it's going to be. So it'll just be, keep going and going until either the Texans trade him or the Texans just say he's under contract and he ain't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's it, which I'm thinking is more likely than not for, uh, for Deshaun Watson. Okay, spring training started yesterday. Good to have pitchers and catchers back in Florida. The Mets um, – a lot of news coming out of Mets camp yesterday. Uh, for starters, Noah Syndergaard um, through his first session, his bullpen session. Rojas says he looks really good. So that's a positive sign, although they still, you know, Alderson as well as Rojas are saying that he still will not be back until June. Um, and, of course, in typical Mets fashion, they fire another employee for sexual harassment. 
Who was it this time? I didn't hear who. He was like a hitting coordinator, but it was like a he quietly got fired because he was sexually harassing. I think the I don't know if it was reporters or if it was just like female employees. Was it Chili Davis? No, it wasn't Chili Davis. It was a different. I forgot his name. I love Chili Davis. Can't fire that guy. Remember, Chili Davis was in the he was quarantined last year. He didn't even join the team because he was he was um he was in Arizona, which was a hot spot at the time for COVID. I forgot about that. Oh my so, god. So um I forgot his name is Ryan something, but not really worth mentioning. But basically in a nutshell was again it's the same problem that happened with Jared Porter and the same issue that happened with Mickey Calloway. And what's really disturbing is these are all three from the same freaking organization. It's I don't yeah it's weird like, and I mean listen, I don't know from what I read Alderson was not around when this guy was part of the team, so I guess he was like while well, the cat's away the mice will play, mm-hmm. but it's still just a bad look for the Mets organization. It's the last thing they need is is like now another story that comes out saying they fired a guy for sexually harassing women. It's like what the fuck? Yeah, I mean like it. I think we said this when the Jared Porter shit happened. It's, you know, the dominoes are going to start falling a little bit more, maybe. And who knows what went on during, before Steve Cohen took over the team. I mean, next thing you know, we're going to hear like the Wilpons did shit. And it's going to be like, oh, like, and, but the fact that he was. Remember like, the story oh. that came out about Jay Gruden's like weird, like kinky sex parties? Oh, yeah. That was, that was- the Washington football team cheerleaders were accusing them of like, you know, they were like being like they were going up with boosters and they were trying to be coerced and having sex with the boosters or some shit like that. It was just like it was crazy. And of all the people, Jay Gruden. <laughs> so. Look, I mean, we could go on and on about the story, but the fact is it's bad. It's wrong. And I'm sick and tired of it happening in the Mets organization. It's like, are you people not doing a good enough job vetting these guys? Are you not disciplining these guys? You know, right off the bat, the first thing is you conduct an investigation. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes to the human resources department and c- accuses somebody of sexual harassment, you do an investigation. You don't just sit there and say, well, it's he said, she said. It's not, we don't have any proof of text messages or anything like that. You need to conduct a thorough investigation because this is a big deal. Yeah. Any yeah. type of harassment of that nature needs to be dealt with seriously. You can't just sit there and say, well, you don't have any proof, so we can't really move forward with it. Sure you can. You could at least talk to the guy. Yeah. Or you could say you can ask other women, you know, interview all the other women in the, in the office and say, listen, this is, uh, you know, keeping it on a down low. You're not going to be mentioned. You know, what well, we did have a report. We had an accusation made against one of our, another employee of sexual harassment. Have you felt threatened? Have right. you felt harassed before? You know, that's... To me, that just seems like how you do it. No, definitely, yeah. Like it's textbook shit. Like if someone you're not just gonna blow by the wayside. And the fact that we're hearing about these stories that happened like it was years ago that this shit happened. We're hearing about them now. It's like what the fuck's been going on this whole time? You know, but it's just like it's just unacceptable. It's just absolutely unacceptable. I mean, again, these are just these are women just trying to do a job. Why is this so like they don't need to be harassed by you? Not you, Clint. I'm talking about, <laughs> right? And they don't need to be harassed by the Mickey Callaways of the world who are just 
lonely and miserable, even though they're married and have children, you know, right. or Jared Porter. And it's just like, what, what do you gain by sending these reporters sexual harassing messages? What do you think? Do you think they're going to meet you under a cloak and dagger at a hotel room in the middle of the night? I mean, like, it, it just, it just boggles the mind. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's fuck. it's like, come on. It's an absolute joke, but again, it's happening to the same organization and that's what's making it worse. And this is another one. I'm sorry. that I I don't know if it was under Alderson's watch or not. Supposedly, this is the time where he took a leave of absence, you know, when he was dealing with the cancer diagnosis and everything. But still, it's just these guys are employed under the Will Ponds. They're employed under you, not you, Clem, Sandy Alderson. I'm not employed under A1. No, not employed under they better not be employed under A1. <laughs> but it's like, for God's sakes, it's just like, when is enough enough? Yeah, it's you know, so it's just it's another story. It's it's pretty much under the bridge at this point, but it's still again another punch to the face of the Mets to the Mets organization. There's no other way you can get around it. Yeah. There's absolutely no other way you can get around it. So there's that and a few other notes. Uh, they were interested in Trevor Rosenthal, but Trevor Rosenthal signed with the A's today for $11 million. Um, they are showing serious interest in Taiwan Walker to round out the rotation. Um, according to Martino, I think it was Andy Martino, they're having extensive discussions, whatever that means. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just don't know because every time I hear anything pertaining to the Mets is they've had discussions. Last The other day we said they were checking in. On, uh, or they were, you know, just uh, shooting the breeze with Jackie Bradley Jr. But they have no intention of signing the guy. They just wanted to see how, how his weekend was. Yeah, like, yeah. I, th- I mean, I'm not... But you take the interest with a grain of salt. You take the interest with the way they're writing it as a grain of salt. And that's, you know, that's how it is. But listen, Taiwan Walker would definitely be a good addition to round up the rotation. It provides you with some a little bit of depth. It provides you with, in the event, you know, prevents in case of injury. So there's that. And you never know if, God forbid, Syndergaard has a setback, which could def- which could possibly happen. I'm not saying it yeah. will, but it could possibly happen. So having a guy like Tyron Walker, and it sounds like they they prefer him over Jake Odorizzi. Yeah, and, you know, the one thing I have to say about, you know, with Rosenthal signing to the A's, I'm not that upset about it. People are like, I'm listening to WFAN and ESPN radio and people are calling in and they're saying like, how oh, could the Mets not sign him? He's like, second coming like, to Mariano Rivera. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like they're complaining about that. And then I like, I, I, I personally, I know you don't really like Evan Roberts and Craig Carton, but like I'm listening to Craig Carton talk and he was like, the Mets are having a B off season right now. I was like a B off season. Are we? Are you? What spot are you guys smoking? The miss is an A off season for the New York Mets. You got a top. You got a top ten player in Francisco Lindor. You got a very good potential Cy Young winner in Carlos Carrasco. You got the number two available catcher in James McCann. Plus JT Real Muto is already injured. So we're we're winning so far. Plus, starters, number one, the bullpen is stacked right now. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen it's... is pretty loaded. I mean, listen, it, does it have question marks? Sure. I don't disagree with that. But right now you're going into a bullpen with Diaz, Batances, Trevor May, Aaron Loop. Lugo is out until May, but he will be back. Mm-hmm. You have Familia, who, you know, again, you don't love the opportunity, the idea of, 
putting Familia in a big spot, but you have no choice. You got to do it. Yeah. Miguel Castro. Yamamoto. And Robert, and Robert Gazelman. Plus you have Yamamoto and you have Luchizi who will probably wind up being in the minors, especially if they sign Taiwan Walker. I don't think Taiwan Walker is going to, is, you know, Yamamoto has, I think he has options. I think Luchizi has options. So I think they can go to the minors. Your bullpen right now is loaded. That's why they had to release Brad Brock. Yeah. Because they had nowhere else to put the guy. But like the fact that this, like, it's just pity. It's just, I'm like, I'm like disappointed in Met fans because it's like, and we talked about the Yankee fan, and he's the same idiot who said the other day that the Yankees won the offseason, which is just a typical. Well, yeah, again, no, he's a pot star. That's what he's like. Another thing, too. Yankee fans are saying, oh, we had such a good offseason, such a good offseason. Would you had an okay offseason? I wouldn't say they had a, like an elite offseason. They didn't do it. They were like, they were saying, people were calling and saying, oh, because we got DJ LeMayhew, it was such a good offseason. You okay. guys had no other choice but to sign back DJ LeMayhew. Like, yeah, you signed him back. In their defense, they got LeMayhew at a really good deal. Yeah, and I'm not going to dispute that. Okay? That being said, though, you also traded for a pitcher and signed a pitcher that haven't pitched a full season in almost in over two years. That's very risky. Mm. Cooper is a very risky investment at $11 million. And Tyon, you gave up four prospects to get Jamison Tyon. And Tyon hasn't pitched a full season, and he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. And you have Severino coming back from Tommy John surgery. You have two pitchers coming back from Tommy John. Now, Tyon pitched towards the end of last season, so he's obviously healthy for this season. But you have Severino coming back. You have this guy coming back from, you know, just coming back from an injury. And you have Kluber, who's always hurt. He's always hurt. Mm -hmm. You can expect him to be on the DL once or twice this year. So, look, we already knew the Yankee lineup was stacked this year. So they're, they're not telling us any different. I mean, they didn't even really have to make a lot of noise because that offense is freaking lethal, and we know that. No, it definitely is. Our good, our good buddy, Anthony Carragher, wants to chime in on the Facebook. He asked, do the Padres jump the Dodgers? Also, do the Blue Jays win the AL East? Are the Blue Jays an, a powerhouse? Okay, first off, I want to say something to Carragher. I checked out your softball league over the weekend. It was actually pretty cool, man. I'm sorry. I don't know if, uh, how it finished. I saw one game. Uh, you know, I thought you tested positive for PEDs, and that's why you were doing the videotaping rather than the uh, playing. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was pretty cool, man. Like, Carragher was in a softball tournament over the weekend in Orlando. And, um, you know, it was – dude, it was pretty – it was – I was actually well, – I was, I was entertained. You know, I was definitely entertained from uh from the very beginning so congrats to your squad man like uh you know i don't know how it finished because i didn't really catch it too much but it was pretty cool to see our boy Carragher out there uh with his softball squad in orlando now as for tati the padres i'm gonna say no i don't necessarily know if the padres the padres are not better than the dodgers now i think the padres will be a playoff team mm-hmm. i think they could definitely be a playoff team but man, dude, I'm not sold on this rotation. I don't really? know if it's just me, like, like, and I, I maybe I'm just tough to please. I, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe you know, I maybe I'm just, I'm just very tough to please. But look, they didn't give up a lot for Darvish when they made they they traded prospects, but nobody really elite. Mm-hmm. Darvish had a good season last year, but it was again off of 60 games. 
And I have a tough time over a full season. Darvish always winds up injured on the DL at some point. It's always some kind of brutal injury. Mm-hmm. So I'm not entirely sold on Darvish, man. I'm really not. You know, Snell going to the National League, I think will be good. But he doesn't pitch deep into games anymore. Tampa only used him for like five to six innings. I don't really know what he's capable of. Well, that 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 was just the way the Padres. I mean, the Padres, the 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 the, the Rays. That's the way they operated. They went. They were a bullpen. They were a bullpen team, and yeah, it worked for them. So maybe he maybe Snell will get to stretch his arm out a little bit more with the Padres. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paddock, I think, is overrated. I think he's. I think he's very overrated. That was the guy that was talking shit like last year. I think to the Mets. I think it was either about Degrom or Alonzo, and Alonzo like teed off on him. Oh yeah. Or well, maybe it was the year before, not necessarily twenty twenty. So that was actually pretty funny. And then, you know, they ran out the rotation, but they also lost a, a couple of key guys to the bullpen this year. They lost Rosenthal, who was a pretty big part of their pen, and they lost Kirby Yates, who went to, I think, went to the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Look, you got the lineup. Hosmer, Machado. Now you got Tatis on a monster extension, which we'll get into in a minute. You have, you know, they're a pretty strong team, but I think the Dodgers are just a better team for the West. I just think the uh, an all around better team. I see. I, I, I'm, I'm loving. I'm loving this Padres team. It's just you know with the. I way hope they... the Padres overtake the Dodgers. Yes. Yes. Agree. Okay? Like I'm not a Padres fan, but I would love to see some new blood, and I would love to see the Padres overtake the Dodgers because I hate the Dodgers. You know, and it has nothing to do with Trevor Bauer. I just don't like the Dodgers. No, but, it, has, it has everything to do with Trevor. But I love the fact that the Padres really put all their chips in the middle of the table this year. And they went out and got Blake Snell. And they went out and got you Darvish. And they gave, well, the Tatis extension, that didn't need to be done right now, to be honest. But whatever, it's, it's done. You know, it's a 13-year contract for $340 million, which is crazy. <laughs> right? But after that, though, listen, I think the Padres have a strong team. I think they, have, they, they will definitely put a strong team out there. Whether it's enough to overtake the Dodgers, I don't think so. What was the other part of his question? Uh, he asked, are, are also do the Blue Jays win the AL East or are the Blue Jays a powerhouse team? I think the Blue Jays are better. I think if I'm the Yankees, I'd be nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, the crazy thing is, I don't know if the Rays are going to be as good this year, man. I could see the Yankees winning that division and the Blue Jays going to second place. I could see the Rays easily being a third place team. The Rays just traded their best pitcher in Blake Snell, and they didn't bring back Charlie Morton. Yeah. They, all they, they brought in was Chris Archer, Michael Walker, and they just signed Rich Hill, who's 41 years old. Right. I mean, like behind Tyler Glasnow, who's not a number one, not to mention their offense is great. Their offense is solid. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the fact is, is that that pitching took a major hit with Charlie Morton with Charlie Morton and um, Blake Snell traded. Now, listen, the Rays got a bunch of good, solid prospects. But can they repeat it again this year? And I don't know if they can. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays added some quality pieces. You know, obviously the big one was Springer. They added some some arms for their bullpen. They added, you know, um, their rotation. I think it's not great, but it's good. I think it's good. Well, that's gonna—that's what's gonna be their problem for the uh, 
for the Blue Jays. I mean, because up and down their lineup and bullpen is rock solid. But when you look at their when you look at their starting rotation, you have guys like Hin, uh, Hinju, uh, Jin Ryu, Nate Peterson, Robbie Ray, Steven Matz, and Tanner Roark is probably your potential starting five. It's not the second get roughed up in the AL East. Oh yeah, I'm so convinced he's going to get roughed up bad. But again, look at the lineup they're putting out there: Springer, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, um, Hernandez, Teoscar Hernandez, I think is his name. Yeah, I mean that's that's five guys I just gave you right off that. I mean it's pretty lethal lineup off just right off that alone. No, yeah, it is. It's a lethal lineup, a lethal bullpen, and you look at the. You look at the uh, the rotation, it's going to be like, eh, I don't know. You know, like, but, you know, again, the Rays give the Yankees fits. I don't remember how the Yankees did against the Blue Jays last year, but it's a different team now with Springer. I mean, I think they're going to be just – they're going to be a very, very dangerous team. And those games against the Blue Jays are going to be tough. They're not going to be as easy as they used to be. And, you know, the Rays, again, the Rays are, the, are a pain in the ass – you know, it's like with the Mets, the one team I say that gives them fits up and down are the Marlins. Yeah, always. The Marlins give the Mets such a hard time. Like the Mets just have the worst time trying to beat the Miami Marlins. I see the same thing with the Rays and the Yankees. But I like some of the moves the Yankees made. You know, we just talked about it before. I mean, it's risky going into the year, I think, with Kluber, you know, banking a lot on Corey Kluber. Tyon is fine. I, I can roll the dice on Tyon. But – and again, you're not going to have Severino back right off the bat. You know, he may not be back till midseason. So, I mean, I don't know what to make. You still have a really strong bullpen, though. I love the addition of Justin Wilson. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. To, that, to that bullpen. I think it's a great addition. But I could see the Blue Jays. I don't know if the Blue Jays will win the AL East, but I definitely think they're going to make it tough. Yeah, they'll they'll definitely compete for it. And it, like, like you said, it all depends on what this Yankees uh, starting rotation is going to do. Because like you said, we know Corey, we know Garrett Cole is going to be rock solid, but then you have guys like Corey Kluber, uh, Luis Severino, Domingo Herman, and probably Jameson Tallian going to round up the rotation. And it's like you don't know what you're going to get out of those guys. But it leads to that too because Domingo Herman is now sending these really cryptic texts and tweets about how you know he doesn't want to play anymore, but then he's saying he's ready to go. And it sounds like he's dealing with some personal issues right now. You Which know, is something you don't want to start the season off with. Yeah, I mean, you know, coming off his suspension for domestic violence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's still in his head. I, I don't I have no idea. But, you know, you don't want to see your pitcher sending out these really random cryptic tweets because it's going to, you know, the players all see that. And they're going to be like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? So you got to make sure his head is on straight. And if he's going to retire, you need to tell him, well, you need to fucking retire then. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not going to play, then you need to tell us. Because you can't just keep sitting around waiting for you to figure it out. It's just like you can't one minute be, okay, I'm ready to go. And the next day, oh, I quit. And the yeah. next day, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rock. Next day, I quit. Can't do that, though. No, you're right. And, you know, now the even more crazy thing is, is that you might see an opening day lineup without Gary Sanchez. Yeah. Because Garrett Cole – now, listen, I'm not saying Garrett Cole is personally saying that he doesn't want Gary Sanchez in the lineup. That's not up to him. That's up to Boone. But it's obvious that he prefers Kyle Higashioka catching him. And on top of that, the Yankees added Robinson Chirinos on a minor league deal. And he has experience catching Garrett Cole. So it'll be awkward not seeing Gary Sanchez in the opening day lineup. And if it is, what a fall from grace, man. 
Oh, my God. You want to talk about, you know, guys who had it up there. I mean, I wouldn't say he's on the same level as Matt Harvey, but he's getting close to that. I mean, listen, he's a guy, he hits for power. But the thing is, here's where you can't really compare the two. Gary Sanchez still gets you like 20 home runs. Yeah. You know, he doesn't hit for, his average is terrible. But he still hits for power. And, you know, his, but his defense is a major, major issue. The problem Mm -hmm. is you can't dump Gary Sanchez into the DH role because he's got like five guys who could be the DH on that team. Yeah. You know, Stanton, you know, him. Voight can be a DH on occasion. I mean, now they added Jay Bruce also. Jay Bruce could possibly be a designated hitter. I mean, you know, his lefty power will work in the front and the short porch at Yankee Stadium. Right. But the fact that right now you could be seeing an opening day lineup that features Kyle Higashioka as the catcher is just, it's not laughable because, again, he does a good job catching Cole. Crazy, it's going to be about Garrett Cole at the end of the day, not, you know, not Gary Sanchez's feelings. <laughs> so, but that's pretty much the latest of what's going on in the Yankees and Mets camp. Also on another note, Tim Tebow retired, officially retired the other day. And look, I was expecting a lot of Tebow jokes. And the, re- the, re- the reality is I didn't see any, you know, listen, Tebow, we knew Tebow was going to be crap. But he served his purpose, Clem. Mm-hmm. What was his purpose? It was to sell tickets in the minor leagues. Yep. Mission accomplished. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, what I expected out of Tebow was the minute that he didn't get a starting job in minor leagues or he didn't get called up to the major league roster, I thought he was going to quit. I thought he quit on the spot. He stuck it out for, what, five years now? But not only did he stick it out, Clem, I loved his work ethic. I loved his positive attitude. I loved the players, you know, a lot of different minor leaguers, you know, Mets minor leaguers were interviewed about him and they said that he comes to, he comes to, you know, practice play every day. He works hard. He's always looking to take, you know, he's, he's very, he takes criticism. Well, like he, you know, they couldn't say enough great things about him. Right. You know, and that's the type of stuff you like to see. Now, look at the end of the day, I think Tebow knew that there was no chance he was coming to the pros. No, no shot. Especially after Cohen bought the team. There was no way that Steve, that Tebow was coming here. If the Wilpons were still here, that's a different story. Well, that then was I could see Tebow making a, like a late September run up to, up to the roster if the Mets were out of it. Well, that's what one thing we thought we were going to see last year with Tebow, especially with like, you know, how they were constructing games and whatnot. We figured we might see Tebow in a, in, a, in a major league uniform last year just because of the fact that they needed guys and surplus guys to play some outfield. But, you know, listen, Tebow, I credit his work ethic tremendously. I credit the fact that every year he came back year after year to, to play baseball. And, you know, listen, you can't say enough good things about the guy. And, again, he served his purpose. For the Mets, he served his purpose. That was a cash cow for the minor leagues. And when he was suiting up for the Binghamton Mets or Port St. Lucie, that place was packed with Tebow fans. Oh, yeah. You know how many people, you know, I knew people who bought Tebow jerseys just because of that fact. And again, it, 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 he did what he was, what he had to do. He put asses in the seats and he, he made, he made money off merchandise. Now, the one funny thing I did see some, I don't know who, who put it out there. I think it was a reporter. It was a picture of like, um, uh, like a, a rolling like hanger mm-hmm. with nothing but Tebow Mets jerseys. 
with the caption that said, on display tomorrow at your local TJ Maxx. <laughs> but Tebow, listen, I give Tebow a lot of credit, man. Like, I really do. I respect the guy tremendously. You know, and again, I really appreciate – we laughed at it when, they, when it happened, but at the end of the day, the guy put in – you know, he paid his dues, man. He worked his butt off, and, you know, not much more you can really say about it at that point. He probably worked harder than some of the minor leaguers down there. No, you're absolutely you know, so right. Good for him. And, uh, you know, I have no – I at this stage, I had no objections to him being a Met. He, he, he finished his career in the minor leagues as a career 223 uh, hitter with 18 home runs and 107 RBIs. So, again, I mean, listen, we knew he wasn't a very good hitter. We knew he wasn't a good fielder. So, I mean, the fact, like I said, just the fact that every year he went back there to play, it just says more than I need to know about the guy. So that tells me more. That tells me enough about Tebow that I know that he is a true professional every step of the way. Very classy individual. He hit 273 in double A baseball. Yeah, he also struck out a lot too. 103 times. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's address the elephant in the room here. And of course, obviously, the big news of the day was the Carson Wentz trade as Carson Wentz was traded to the Colts in exchange for a third round pick this year and a conditional second-round pick next year. The second-round pick becomes a first-round pick if Wentz plays 75% of the snaps for the Colts this year as a starting quarterback, and I think if he gets into the playoffs. Or if he could either or, basically. Which will most likely happen because you've invested too much money in the guy, so there's no way you're not going to play him 75% of the snaps. He would have to really suck or get hurt for that to happen. So – First things first, um, this notion that the Eagles got swindled, I disagree. I disagree 100%, actually. I think the Eagles took the best deal they could possibly get for the guy. Mm-hmm. There was no way you could justify getting a first-round pick for Carson Wentz. Right. Carson Wentz is not worth a first-round pick. That's why. Unless there's, like in this trade, unless there's conditions attached to it. But Carson Wentz didn't do enough for me last year. And he played like shit more times than not mm-hmm. where I can sit there and say, yeah, I got to give you a number one, a first round pick for him. Not to mention the fact, the stories about his diva attitude, the fact that, you know, some people were saying he was uncoachable. Some people, and he didn't deny that Clem. No, I know. He never came out and emphatically denied that, which was even more surprising. So the fact that the Eagles got a third round pick this year and a second rounder next year, I have no problem with that offer. I don't think it's a, that big of a deal. What did you think they were going to get for the guy? The guy had 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions last year. Yeah. Plus, he's on a he's on a bad contract too. It's not- that's another reason you got to you you're taking the the Colts are taking the contract, and the next few years is going to be hits of like 25 million, 26 million. That's a lot of scratch, man. Yeah. So in that sense, I wouldn't have given him a first round pick for him. No and way. the thing is, he doesn't warrant it. He doesn't justify it. Not to me, he doesn't. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. In this How many game. games did we watch the Eagles last year of how bad Carson Wentz played? Played like shit last year. Played okay. Like, played really and, bad. and to be brutally honest, Clint, he didn't win. He hasn't won anything for the Eagles. Yes, he can say that he won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia, but he did not win the Super Bowl for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl for Philadelphia. 
Carson Wentz played no role in the in the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. He was hurt most of the time. No, you're absolutely so, right. You're absolutely right. Like his in, in that I will say though, in his in that Super Bowl run with the Eagles, not in the playoffs, but like in the game, he was having an MVP like season. And then he tore everything in like his knee or whatever. And that's when Nick Foles took over and Nick Foles took him to the Super Bowl. Okay. But since that point, like Carson Wentz was almost like an MVP candidate that season. Yeah. And then and since when he came back from his injury, it's like he was playing scared a bit and he really wasn't playing the same way that he used to. And now it looks like he's dog shit. He looks terrible. So there's that. But from a cult standpoint, I, I kind of thought about this because, you know, like I was before we started, I was like watching a clip of Colin Coward talking about it. And he like absolutely loves the trade for the Colts. And I, I asked myself this, though. Are the Colts better than they were last year or are they basically the same? And that's one of the things I ask myself with this trade, because last year they were great with they were solid with Rivers. You know, Rivers had a couple of stinker games, but overall he played pretty well in his last year before he went, you know, he decided to retire. But does Carson Wentz take them over the top? And I don't think he does, Clem. I don't. And maybe Reich can fix him, and maybe Reich will, you know, maybe Reich coached him in Philadelphia. So maybe Reich knows things that we don't know. Mm -hmm. But I don't see how Carson Wentz is this, Yep, we you know we gotta go get Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is the missing piece to our Super Bowl t- championship. Because honestly, if I was the Colts, I would have went after Matt Ryan. I would have made a trade for Matt Ryan then, if the Falcons were willing to trade him. Matt Ryan would be more of a missing piece than Carson Wentz. No, yeah, like when you can't like and I, I like Carson Wentz. But it's like it's not. I don't think it's moving the needle for the Colts. Like they they did very good with Philip Rivers as the quarterback, but Philip Rivers has also been in the league for a million years, and you know it's he he brought the experience with them. Like I can't I can't sit here and say, yeah, you know Carson Wentz, he's great. <laughs> you know Tennessee. I mean Tennessee. They had Philip Rivers last year, and Tennessee still won a division. Right. With Tannehill and Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. I mean, the Colts, listen, the Colts have some good players. They have a solid offensive line. Their defense was much improved from last, the year mm-hmm. before. You know, you have guys like Michael Pittman who are up-and-coming players. You're very reliant on the tight end. So guys like Jack Doyle are, are pretty – are solid in those spots. Mm-hmm. The other guy, um, Ali Cox, was pretty decent. Now, on the other side of the ball, I don't know who you're going to have because T.Y. Hilton is a free agent. is probably not going back to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And you have um, you have a pretty – you know, you have a solid running game with uh, – what's – is it Thomas? Uh, uh, Taylor, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, All right? So you have a pretty solid running game, and you have a great offensive line. I, again, I'm just not sure if Carson Wentz really moves the needle for me to be like, yep, this is it. This is all – this is the missing piece to the puzzle for the Indianapolis Colts. And that's where I think people get it lost. It's like you put Carson Wentz in a New Jersey and you expect drastic things to change about the Indianapolis Colts. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, yeah, the Colts are going to be a they're going to be a Super Bowl team next year. How do you know? Yeah, it's really make them like, for example. If the Miami Dolphins get Deshaun Watson and they trade away first round picks and everything. Do you automatically put them in the Super Bowl competition? 
discussion? No. Aren't they basically the same team that's trotting out there just with a different quarterback? I would say like they're even to a lesser extent, they're not even as good as last year's team. There's still a team that doesn't really have a good running game. There's still a team that doesn't really, you know, they don't have a true number one. Devontae Parker is not a number one. Yes, they have, you know, their offensive line is fine. Their defense was was good last year with, you know, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and, and everything. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, am I really sitting here saying, like, do you think they're better than Buffalo? I don't know. No. Definitely not. You know, are they better than Kansas City? I don't know. I, I don't know. But it's like the minute you put a guy in a New Jersey right away, it's like they're going to Super Bowl. Miami Dolphins are finally going to Super Bowl. You want to talk about a team that number starters is just insanely average over the past 20 years? You look no further than the Miami Dolphins. I mean, next to the Cowboys, they're pretty, they're up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't remember the last time the Dolphins made an AFC championship game. They haven't been to the Super Bowl in, in this, you know, so far in this decade or the previous one. So why are we getting all excited about the thought, you know, Deshaun Watson going to the Dolphins and bam, Super Bowl team. And the same thing I say about Carson Wentz. The Colts really haven't been that good. When was the last time the Colts made it, you know, made a championship game? When was the last time the Colts were, I mean, listen, the Colts have had the benefit of playing in the South, but I don't see why everybody's so excited about Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. No, it's 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 crazy to think of. And I like I said, I like Carson Wentz. I was a Carson Wentz fan when he came out of college. But you know, the the magic is gone with Wentz. Unless he can get it back this year, then then okay, then I'm sold again because I do think he is a good quarterback when he's in the right state of mind, when he's healthy, when he's got when he's got everything going for him. I think he I think he is a top 5 quarterback in this league. But he hasn't had that magic since since his second year in the league when he when he came in second for the MVP, and it's it's been like wow, like I can't believe like this was the guy that almost lead the that was leading the Eagles to the Super Bowl until Carson Wentz until Nick Foles took over. So again, like listen, I think the Colts made. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I guess the Colts made a good move. I mean, because they didn't have to give up a first round pick for the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a second and third round. You know, you give up a third rounder this year, a second rounder next year. I don't consider that being fleeced, but everyone is making it out to be. Like, I was listening to Moose and Maggie talk about it, and Maggie Gray was like, oh, I, I can't believe they didn't get a player back. I'm like, what did you think they were going to get? They got to take on that contract. And I'm telling you right now, too, it really tells you enough to know that the Eagles are willing to take a $30 million cap hit. Oh, yeah. On Carson Wentz just to get rid of him. So it was pretty obvious. I mean, a, a lot of, you know, when they hired Nick Sirianni, mm-hmm. I thought the reason why they hired Nick Sirianni was because they were hell bent on keeping Carson Wentz and he was the only guy that wanted that would consider coaching him. Right. So isn't it crazy that Sirianni goes to the Eagles and then Carson Wentz goes to the Colts? <laughs> or Sirianni was the OC. The shoe just traded Car- uh, Sirianni for Wentz. So. Look, it's a good trade. I, I mean, it was like the same thing with the Stafford trade. Like, I wasn't blown away by the Stafford trade. I think it's a solid trade for the Rams. I think they mortgaged their future, basically, 
where if Stafford doesn't win them a Super Bowl in two years, it's going to be a fail. Mm-hmm. So you got to be prepared for that. And the same thing with Carson Wentz. The pressure is on Carson Wentz to get this team to a championship game or a Super Bowl. Right. And he's doing it. You're putting Michael Pittman now in a position to be a number one receiver next year. Now, I'm sure the Colts will add, you know, guys. I'm not saying they won't. But to say that this team went from 11 and five to like 12 and four or 13 and three, I'm going to call bullshit on that because the South is going to be a stronger division. You still got to play the Titans. Mm-hmm. I think the Jaguars are going to be a better team with Trevor Lawrence quarterbacking them. You know, I don't know what to make of the Texans right now because it's too, too soon to tell. You know, but the Colts have to play Buffalo. They have to play Miami this year. Those aren't going to be easy games, man. No, they're not. Those aren't going to be easy not. games. Even playing a Robert Sala defense for the Jets, you don't know what you're going to – you may not know what you're going to get. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Now, from the Eagles' perspective, it puts them in an interesting spot. Number one, if you're committed to Jalen Hurts, then you need to tell Jalen Hurts right now this is your team. Mm-hmm. You are going to be our starting quarterback this year. We want to see what you can do with a full year under my offense, under Nick Sirianni's offense or whoever is the OC. So there's that. Now, do I think Jalen Hurts is a little overrated last year? I do. I think that he showed some flashes of being a good player, but I think he had some real stinkers too. Mm-hmm. Just common for rookies. So you kind of don't – you take it with a grain of salt. But now you see what he can do in a full season under the Eagle offense. The problem is that the Eagle offense may look a little different next year. There's a lot of talk about Zach Ertz possibly getting traded. Mm-hmm. A key part of your offense is going to be gone, which will probably put you in a position to maybe make Dallas Goddard your number one tight end, which is, you know, he's a good receiver. So I wouldn't, that's, you, you don't really lose anything at that position. Right. You're going to be very young at wide receiver next year. With, you know, Jalen Rieger, Arciega Whiteside, you know, just to name a couple of guys. And you have Miles Sanders. So you got some players. Your offensive line is old and it's beaten up. And that's going to be a bit of a problem this year. Lane Johnson, Jason Peters. These guys are like 35. You know, Jason Peters, I think, is 39 years old. You know, and uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I just think the Eagles' offensive line is going to be bad. And there's, their defense, their secondary was terrible this year. Their secondary was terrible. Yeah, they, they're, they're not in a, a win-now situation, the Eagles. They definitely need a lot of help on that offense, and they definitely need a bunch of help on the defense. So if I can make a prediction, because apparently from what I was reading today that Jalen Hurts is going to be in a competition. A competition for the starting job. And I'm making a prediction right now, the guy he's going to go up against, Jacoby Brissett. Mark it down. Because Jacoby Brissett was coached under Sirianni, and he knows the offense. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to try to bring in Jacoby Brissett to challenge uh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing, by the way. I don't think that's a bad thing. Because if you want to give the team to Jalen Hurts, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. At the same time, if you want him to earn it, there's nothing wrong with that, too. Right. Sirianni didn't draft him, so... He's he's under no obligation to play the guy if he doesn't want to, if he doesn't think he's that good. So you bring in a guy to challenge him, and a guy like Jacoby Brissett makes perfect sense. You don't bring in a guy like Sam Darnold. You don't bring in a guy like you know Ben Roethlisberger or whoever. You bring in a guy that is 
comfortable with being the backup, but you're giving him a fair shot to try to win the job outright. No, yeah. I mean, I, I, it makes sense. It's like, it's more of like a psychological thing. I think that he's playing with them. It's like, yeah, Jalen Hurts, you're going to, the, the keys of the kingdom are yours. Just, just beat out. I'm just going to bring in some competition in case, like. Now, here's my question. Here's what I don't want. I don't want the Eagles to sit there and say, yep, Jalen Hurts, he's going to get a very, he's going to get a fair shot to win the job. He's going to get a fair shot to do this. And then at number six, if he's available, they take Justin Fields. Because then I think it's just going to be a shit show. Really crush this kid's confidence. Yeah, no, I think, I think like sixth overall pick, if you want my personal prediction, they probably could either go Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith, who's ever there. And they help, they help build that offense for for Jalen Hurts. I think that offense has got to be priority number one right now. You have a young quarterback. You have a young running back in Miles Sanders, who I like a lot. You know, build now, the offense now. At the same time, yes, I agree with you. Building the offense is very important. But you've got to get younger on that line. Yeah. And what worries me is after Sewell, there's a bit of a drop-off. Mm-hmm. I think the next best player is Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. I think he's like the yeah. second best offensive lineman. Um, in the draft do you take that guy at six or do you try to figure out a way to trade up to get try to get Sewell having Penny Sewell on that line would be a start you already have Andre Dillard on one side so you can have Penny Sewell on the other Mm -hmm. so now you have two young tackles right there to protect your young quarterback okay yes getting a receiver is very important so if you drafted Devontae Smith if Jamar Chase fell to you at six, I would have zero objection to the, either one of those guys being picked. See, like I just think like you know, I'm looking at like, you know, guy, I think I think the smart move for the Eagles would either be drafting a guy like Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. Because like, yeah, like you said, like it's it's a far drop off for the next best uh, lineman. Is Rashawn like, Slater worth the number six overall pick? And the answer is I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I much ra- if I was an Eagles fan, I'd much rather have Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith over Rashawn Slater. So now the Eagles have, you know, this is going to be an interesting spot for the Eagles. Do they fear that Devonta? Maybe they love Devonta Smith, and Devonta Smith will get taken mm-hmm. when they pick at six. Could go to Miami. I don't think he'll go to Atlanta. I think Atlanta is pretty set at receiver right now. So I highly doubt they're going to take him. And I don't, I know the Bengals aren't going to take him because the Bengals have, you know, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. I don't know how many more receivers you possibly need on that team. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if anything, the Bengals draft a kid like Kyle Pitts. If they don't take, if they don't get Penny Sewell. Yeah, I think they got it. They got to go offensive lineman. Which is why I'm saying, Clem, if I'm the Jets, I talk to the Bengals right now. And I say, try to tease it that you're looking at Sewell. Mm -hmm. We know you want him. What are you willing to give up for him? That's what I would do if I were the Jets. Swear to God. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad because you can definitely get – you could definitely – if you can make a convincing argument that, hey, we're going to draft Penny Sewell at two – Make a call to the Bengals and be like, what do you want? Right now, this is the beautiful part about the Jets situation. No one knows what they're going to do. Exactly. No one has a clue. Never, you know, right now, while most of the mock drafts, and you and I have seen them say they're going to take Zach Wilson, we don't know that. Not confirmed, yeah. 
they could easily take Penny Sewell. You know Douglas likes to build, loves rebuilding the offensive line. You don't think Joe Douglas is salivating at the possibility of having Penny Sewell and Mackay Becton on his line? Exactly. And That's then building the, the interior of the line, maybe drafting a kid like Wyatt Davis in the second round or adding a guy like Joe Tooney or Brandon Scherf. You don't think he wants to do that right now? Or even, you know, say the Jets even stick with Sam Darnold, drafting a guy like Devonta Smith. And that's that's the wild card. That's the wild card claim is Sam Darnold, because they don't know. No team knows what the Jets are doing. So that the Jets could tease that up until freaking draft day, dude. Mm -hmm. They could tease that until draft day, and they could say, "All right, we don't know what we're gonna do. Maybe we take Penny Sewell." And then the Bengals, who will be taking a dump in their pants (laughs) at that point, will probably be like, "Holy shit, we got to go make a deal for him." Yeah, because if we don't get him, I mean, that's going to suck. And we need to protect Joe Burrow, who's coming back from a torn ACL and an MCL. I think I think he tore both ligaments. Yeah, it's it's not a good look because if you don't protect, if you're the Bengals and you don't protect Joe Burrow, he's going to end up like Andrew Luck, which is going to be very sad because Andrew Luck was a top. He's if he was playing, he'd probably be the number two quarterback in the league right now, but. The Colts did nothing to help this man, protect this man throughout his years in the in, in uh, Indianapolis, and he got beaten up for it. He was like, "I can't take it anymore. I got hit. I got hit too much. I don't blame him for retiring." Well, for the Eagles, I think this was a necessary evil to get rid of Wentz. It just seemed like there was so much drama, and quite frankly, Clem, I don't think the players, the teammates, liked him. I think they probably thought he was a dick. I could see that. And I think that that could have easily led to it too. I mean, listen, we there's so many stories we don't know about what goes on in an organization, but it sounds like Carson Wentz had wore out his welcome in Philadelphia. Yeah. That he was just not coachable, that he was part of the reason why Peterson got fired. The players weren't really happy with him. They thought that his work ethic sucked. They thought that he was entitled, you know, and these are things you don't want to be carrying you around with you. And I think for all parties involved, especially a young coach, first time head coach like Sirianni, I think he probably wanted to also bring in his own guy. Yeah. Now, look, Jalen Hurts, I think, can play quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I think he definitely shows some flashes of being a good player. And maybe the fact is, if he decides to move forward with Jalen Hurts, he'll grow in the offense because Sirianni will be there for a while. So that might be a good thing. Doesn't hurt to have a veteran back him up, though. No, it definitely doesn't. I think Jacoby Brissett might be the might be the best option, like you said, because he knows Sirianni's offense. Brissett's he a, the Colts for a few years. I mean, he, I yeah, mean, Brissett's a decent quarterback too. It's not like he's bad. He's he's a decent backup to have. I mean, I think if Brissett beats Hurts for the job, then that's all you need to know about Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that he's just not going to be. You know, if he can't beat out Jacoby Brissett, who really hasn't landed a starting job anywhere. You know, like, I mean, he shows, you know, everybody says he has the tools, but he's never really landed a job. Yeah. If you can't beat him out, then I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, 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 And it also takes – And that's all you need to know about Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and it also just takes in the fact that they have to build this offense for, for Jalen Hurts. And as my, I think, you know, yeah, the offensive line is old, but they have no wide receivers there. I'm not a fan on uh, Jalen Ragor. I mean – I'm not a big fan on him. And after even the drop off after him, it's you got Alshon Jeffrey, who's always injured. Deshaun Jackson, who's old as hell at this point. 
Well, I think Deshaun Jackson is gone. I think he's, I think he's either a free agent or he's going to be cut. Because the Eagles, I think, are also, I think they have a cap issue, if I'm not mistaken. Either they got, I think they got to go wide receiver with this first overall pick. Get a guy. If the Jets cut Jameson Crowder, cut go out. I would get Jameson Crowder if I was him, if I was the uh, the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So look, at the end of the day, the Colts need a starting quarterback. Now they really have one that's under, you know, for the next few years. So it's like they're going to be playing, you know, a revolving door of quarterbacks. Um, do I think it's the best move? I personally don't think so. I think the Colts could have easily just packaged some picks and traded up to get a quarterback. Maybe they could have made a deal with the – maybe try to get, you know, the Jets to trade for Zach Wilson. I, I don't know. I think – I think. I don't think the Jets would have traded from 2 to 19 unless the Colts were giving them, like, multiple first-rounders for the next few years. No, look, well, do the Colts have a first round pick this year? Yes, I think they're picking like 18th, I think, or something like that. They are, yeah, 21st. 21st. I I think their best option would have been to let Jacoby Brissett take the reins one year and draft a guy like Trey Lance. I think that would have been the better option. You would have had a bit, or even a guy like Mac Jones. I mean, you could have definitely taken Mac Jones at 21 if you really wanted to. I mean, but again, they went with Carson Wentz. I mean, Reich, Frank Reich knows him from Philly. So he probably, and he, and in Wentz's defense, his best years were under Frank Reich. When oh. Frank Reich was the OC. So maybe Frank Reich can rekindle that magic, but you're also talking from year to year, and it's a different game every year. And Wentz hasn't shown me over the past couple of seasons that he's, a legitimate quarterback, and he's and to be honest, I give him zero credit for the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Zero. I give Nick Foles all the credit for winning the Super Bowl. You know Frank Reich is from Freeport. Is he really? He's former. Yeah, I just looked up his uh his Wikipedia page and it says, born December fourth, nineteen sixty one, Freeport, New York. And he's a former Jet. Hmm. He wasn't really that good though. It was really at the end of his career. That's when the Jets were like, I think it was, I don't know if it was the Kotite Jets. I don't remember if it was that far back. Oh, was it the Kotite Jets? It was 96, so. Yeah, I think it was the Kotite Jets. Because the the year that Parcells was there, the Parcells' first year there, they had, um, I think Parcells was there in 97. Yeah, wait, what is it? Yeah, I think it was. It was 96. Yeah, that sounds yeah, right. Yeah, Kotite, yeah, 96. Yeah, Reich, Reich was a backup. He was a good backup. He was a great backup in Buffalo. So, but look, at the end of the day, I think the Eagles did the best they could. I think the Eagles got what they, you know, they, they got two picks. One can definitely be a first rounder. It sounds like I don't see the Colts not playing Carson Wentz 75% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Unless he gets hurt, of course. Right. So at the end of the day, the Eagles get a first rounder next year. So they wind up with multiple first round picks in 22. There's nothing wrong with that. I think overall it's it's a fine trade. I don't think it's a fleecing by any stretch of the imagination. No, I, I think it was a definitely a fair trade on both ends. And like I said, if the Eagles are willing to take a $33 million cap hit this year on Carson Wentz, then they were desperate to get rid of him. Right. There was no way they were going to stomach another year of Carson Wentz. So, all right, rounding out the show for today, I wanted to take a look at Two NFL teams that I am convinced will take two steps back in 2021 for the upcoming season. And one kind of came out of nowhere, really, from a story that came out earlier. I think it was either today or yesterday. And that team, to be honest, Clem, I think one of the teams is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
I don't know if this team is going to be very good in 2021. And there's a lot of mitigating factors to it. There's a lot to digest. And it was something that came out today. I think it was either today or yesterday where the GM of the Steelers did not commit to Ben Roethlisberger being the starting quarterback next year. So now you start to get some crazy, you know, idea that, well, maybe Ben's going to retire. Maybe Ben's going to call it a career. He's due, I think, he counts $41 million towards their cap this year in 21. So I'm sure that's going to be restructured in some way, shape, or form, because I highly doubt Roethlisberger is going to get $41 million cap hit. But Roethlisberger is obvious. His career is pretty much winding down if it's not dead yet. He doesn't really have any mobility anymore. What is he, 39 now? Same. He's got to be the same age as Manning. He's old. <laughs> I'll he, tell you that. He's old. I'm saying. I mean, he's an old dude. He doesn't have the mobility he used to have. And he's had a lot of stinkers over the past, like, year or two. He's constantly injured now, and that's the problem. You know, not to mention the fact that they haven't really developed Mason Rudolph. You know, like Mason Rudolph hasn't been like, you know, the guy ready to take over the team to the point where they made a trade to get Josh Dobbs. There's going to show you like how Mason Rudolph really hasn't developed very well. They're currently $14 million over the cap this year. So now you got to talk about restructuring deals. You got to release players and everything. So there's that. I hated the way they finished the end of the season, especially after they lost to Washington when they were they snapped their undefeated streak with that loss to Washington. And then they lost to Cincinnati. And I think that was without Joe Burrow when they lost to Cincinnati. And then they didn't play. They benched their starters in week 17 and came out completely flat in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Rounds just mopped the floor with them. And to me, that's just very telling in general about the Steeler roster. And it's very telling about Mike Tomlin. You know? Mm-hmm. Now, take it to account. You have a key year for free agents. You have Juju Smith Schuster is a free agent. James Conner is a free agent. Bud Dupree is a free agent. Um, Alejandro Villanueva is a big part of their offensive line is a free agent. Their offensive line is getting old. You know, they're going to be, you know, next year, if they don't add anybody to the receiving core, you're talking about a receiving core of Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Chase yeah. Claypool. Chase Claypool had a good year. He had a good rookie year. Strong rookie season. Yeah, no, he looked good. And it's not it's not a bad one-two to have Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson if you lose Juju Smith-Schuster, which in reality, I think they might, looking at this wide receiver core, it's very possible they do lose Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't think they're bringing back Juju. I think he's going to get a big – he's going to get an offer from a big – you know, it could be the Jets, could be the Raiders. The Raiders have been linked to him lately. I think – I'm looking at this right now. If there's two – I'm looking at their roster right now and who's free agents and whatnot. I think if there's two guys you bring back, definitely it's got to be James Conner and it's got to be Alejandro Villanueva. You, do you bring back Conner, though? You don't think Conner can be replaced? I, well, I mean, I think personally, and my friend has convinced me on this, that you can really replace any running back in the league. But James Conner, I mean, if you're going to you – like, because if it's Big Ben, is he's got nothing really – I mean, there's no attraction on that offense besides Big Ben. If you if you don't have Juju Smith-Schuster, you bring back James Conner. It's like, okay, James Conner's here. You see, the problem with the Steelers is if Ben decides to retire, and I don't think he will. To be honest, I think Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger are attached to the hip for one more year. And then I think they're both going to be gone. Mm-hmm. 
you don't you, you don't have time to find an adequate replacement because Stafford got traded to the Rams, Wentz got traded to the Colts. Mm-hmm. So who's left besides Darnold? Besides maybe Jimmy Garoppolo's available, mm-hmm. unless you kind of have a stopgap for a year, like you add a guy like a Cam Newton or maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you you know if that's where you want to go. Nothing wrong with Fitz, of course, and I mean I think Cam is over the hill. But where else are you going for a quarterback? You know, if you wherever you draft, you're not gonna you're not gonna expect that kid to start for you week one. No, exactly, and you know, I, th- I think the smart choice for the e- for the Eagles, wow, for the Steelers, might be drafting a guy like Mac Jones late in the late in the first, or maybe a guy like Kyle Trask in the second round. It's those are the options right now for the Eagles. I mean, for the, I don't know why I keep saying the Eagles, the Steelers. If well, they we're want- in Pennsylvania, so it's understandable. <laughs> that you got but yeah, I think those are the options. Those are the best options for the Steelers right now. If they if they think about moving on from Ben Roethlisberger, like you said, Mason Rudolph ain't it really. And with all due respect, and I really got to say this, I think Tomlin's run his course. I don't think I think at this stage, I, I think he's done everything he can with that team. I just I don't think they're going to be any. They're not going to. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl next year. And now you know you're trying to you know you're trying to push JJ Watt there. I mean, can they even afford JJ Watt? What do, do they really need JJ Watt right now? Can they even afford him? Even if they could, I mean, do you really need JJ Watt? No, no. You have, you have your that de- the one thing I will say about the the Steelers is their defense rock solid. Defense. You is have rock- to restructure a guy like Joe Hayden. You, you know, you may have to cut a guy like Eric Ebron, who was actually a pretty good tight end for you last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Vance McDonald retired, so that's another position that's going to be very weak if you have to cut Ebron. You know, for the running game, what do you do about Connor? Connor really wasn't that great last year. You know, he was all right. Nothing special. You know, again, nothing elite. Mm-hmm. And again, you have a quarterback who can barely move, who is one bad hit away from his career being over. Right. This is the time where I think the Steelers are going to be a bit of a mess. Not to mention the fact that you are now playing in a brutally tough division. The Ravens are a solid team, even though I think they're a bit of a one-trick pony. The Cleveland Browns improved with a great coach. Baker Mayfield finally found his rhythm. That team is going to be pretty solid next year with guys like, you know, with again, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Jarvis Landry. And, you know, I don't know if Beckham will be back with the team next year, but you know, they're still pretty solid at the receiving core, not to mention the tight end group. Mm-hmm. Defense needs some work. You know, like you're going to lose, you know, Olivier Vernon's probably going to be gone from the team, so you're going to probably need another pass rusher. There's already speculation that J.J. Watt wants to go to the Browns. Yeah, you know, hey. he's done a great job with that team. And to be honest, they had the Steelers' number in the first round of the playoffs. And like you even the Bengals had their number last year, the Steelers. Yeah. So it's like – it's like the bagel, the the bagels. Wow, uh, the the bagels. Bengals will probably be the worst team in that division again this year, but I wouldn't be surprised. Have a full season of Joe Burrow back. I mean, listen, I think they'll be improved, but oh, I yeah, mean, definitely. I think eventually they're not they're not going to be that good. But I think they'll be an improved team. Mm-hmm. That division is brutally tough. No, it's definitely a tough division, exactly. And they, yeah, like you said, the Bengals probably will come in last place, but. They, I would not be surprised if they're putting up fights in all these games. Me too. 
And the thing is, again, like, listen, I'm not saying the Steelers are going to be a terrible team. I just think they're going to take a major step back because I just think their, their, their roster is aging. I think the coach, I'm sorry, is dated. I just mm-hmm. don't think my, I just, I just don't think Mike Tomlin's as great of a coach anymore as he used to be. And I, I just, to me, I just think the division is getting tougher. Mm-hmm. I think the Steelers are about to lose some really key players and they're over the cap, which means you got to cut guys. You got to cut players, got to start restructuring contracts to get under the cap. And then you got your draft class to worry about. What's a priority for the Steelers this year? I mean, listen, you could always use some more defensive help, but I think you got a couple of, you know, you, you got some pretty solid defensive players on that team. Maybe another wide receiver wouldn't kill you this year. Mm-hmm. Or, not for nothing, maybe if he's available, where do they pick? Was it 24, I think, or 23, the Steelers? Somewhere, somewhere back there. Oh, no, the Jets picked 23rd. So I think the Steelers picked like 24th or something. Maybe, like you said, maybe drafting Mac Jones at the end of the first round would be a s- solid move. Let him work under Roethlisberger for a year. Or if the Steelers really want to go down that road, they could start talking to the Jets about Darnold if they really want Sam Darnold. It's, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But like we, like I mentioned on earlier shows, there's one thing we know in life. There's three guarantees in life. Death, taxes, Steelers don't fire head coach. <laughs> and you know what's crazy, man? For all the talk about how Bill Cowher was a great coach, he won one Super Bowl, dude. Yeah. And how many years was he coaching that team? One 14. Super Bowl. One Super, how, many is Tom, how long has Tomlin been coaching the team? This will be his 14th year. Yeah, one Super Bowl with victory. He's been to two Super Bowls, but he's lost one, and he won the other one. And you could argue that he inherited a legitimately good roster. I mean, that was Ben in his prime, Santonio Holmes, Le'Veon Bell in his prime. I mean, James Harrison, Ryan uh, Ryan Shazier. Brett Kiesel. Love Troy that. Palomalu. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, he inherited a, a freaking Super Bowl roster. So I think at the end of the day, the Steelers, I'd be surprised if the Steelers don't go all in in 2021, but if they lose, I think you're going to see wholesale changes on that roster. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I just don't, I think Tomlinson, I think Tomlin will be done. I think Roethlisberger will retire, but again, losing key guys, like, you know, you don't know who they have to cut, what decisions they're going to make, but you know, losing key guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, his numbers may not look great on paper, but he had a pretty decent season overall. Mm-hmm. James Conner was, you know, good. But again, now you got to replace a running back. You got to replace a receiver. You, you know, you got to, you know, Bud Dupree had, I think, had like 11 sacks before he got hurt. I think he had, you know, he had a pretty solid season, I think, before he like tore up his ACL. And Villanueva is a key part of that offensive line. Yeah, you, I think I think of all the like I said, like all the guys you got to sign back. I think Villanueva has got to be the number one priority, especially now that uh, Marquise Pouncey announced his retirement. Yeah. And the thing is, you can you can let Bud Dupree is expendable because T.J. Watt is such a good pass rusher. So, oh, so good, so okay. good. So you can let Bud Dupree walk because T.J. Watt is a is a elite pass rusher. So you can. That's fine. And yeah, maybe you could let Juju Smith-Schuster walk because you have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. You always seem to find quality receivers. You know, maybe in the draft this year, you can find one maybe in the second round or something mm-hmm. like that or whatever. But the key question is going to be about Ben. 
And when the GM does not commit to you for 2021, it's pretty, it's pretty telling. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be different if if Big Ben's not going to be in the Steelers uniform or starting at least. The other team I say is going to it's going to take a major step back in 2021 for me, and you know it might be a little bit of a surprise because they had you know a pretty strong run this year, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh. Um, you know, look, as long as you have Russell Wilson, every week you're going to be able you have an opportunity to win the game. Okay, so let's get that out of the way right now. The problem with the Seahawks is they become very one-dimensional. It's really him and nothing else. Right. If he's off his game, the Hawks are off their game. If he's on, they're unbeatable. You have two quality receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but your running game, Chris Carson, I think, is a free agent, so he may not be there next year. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And you have your franchise quarterback, your – you know, honestly, he's easily a top three quarterback right now in the NFL. Complaining about getting hit too much, which is saying, hey, and if you read between the lines, this offensive line sucks. And they need it needs to be fixed. Not to mention that last year, the Seahawks defense wasn't very good. I mean, they were better at the end of the year, but for the most part, the first half of the year, they were brutally bad. Sucked. They were terrible, I thought. I thought they were overrated. And... You will do play in a tough division that's getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, the Rams just got Matt Stafford. Now you got to play Matt Stafford twice a year. You got to play Kyler Murray twice a year. And you, you know, whoever winds up quarterback in the Niners could be Deshaun Watson. Imagine if it's Deshaun Watson. Oh, man. Imagine if the, the Seahawks have to play Deshaun Watson twice a year, Matt Stafford twice a year, and Kyler Murray twice a year. Jesus. Like, I'm scared for them. And then it just kind of speaks to a little bit of like the, not the irresponsibility, but of course, who are they linked to in, all, in this offseason so far? Zach Ertz. Now, listen, Zach Ertz is a great player, but you don't need Zach Ertz when your franchise quarterback is telling you he's tired of getting hit. When he's telling you he's tired of getting his bell rung all the time, you got to get the offensive line going. And then the worst part is you don't have a first round pick this year or next year. Because he traded it to the Jets for Jamal Adams. Exactly. Like, and that just proves that, you know, if you, first of all, I, I still think that the Seahawks defense is highly overrated. Your, your, your quarter, your franchise quarterback, the, arguably the best player in the league, mm-hmm. is complaining that he's getting hit too much. You got holes to fix before you become a, 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 going to the NFC championship game. Plus, yeah, you have. You're, it's nice that you have two good wide receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. After that, who do you got? You got no one. There's no depth in that wide receiver core or a tight end. It's terrible. It's really bad. And plus, now that Chris Carson's a a free agent, they have to look in. They have to potentially look in other directions at, at running back. This team is a mess right now. This team is an absolute mess, and they need to fix it asap. And at the end of the day, too, Clem, the fact is, is Russell Wilson is 33 years old. Yes. He's 33 years old in November. So that's why he's afraid for his life because he can't run around forever. I mean, Cam Newton proved that in many ways that he can't just keep running for his life on every play. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have the mobility he used to have as he gets older and older. So that's another part of it. 
Now, look, at the end of the day, the Seahawks aren't going to trade Russell Wilson. I mean, unless they get blown away with an offer, and even then I don't think they're going to do it. But you, you have to start understanding, accepting the fact that your quarterback, your franchise quarterback is getting older and you need to protect him better. He can't keep and he's going up against some ridiculous pass rushes next year. The Niners are going to have Nick Bosa back 100% healthy. The Rams have Aaron Donald, who's probably the best defensive player in the NFL. The Cardinals have a pretty decent pass rush. I mean, I don't know who else the Seahawks play on their schedule. If you want to look up their opponents. And then I'm looking at who's available, who's going to be unrestricted free agents for them in 2021. They got a lot of guys that are not, they don't know if they're going to be back. KJ Wright, Bruce Irvin. Oh, yeah, they got the Packers, they got the Colts, they got the uh, the Bears, and the Titans, and the Washington football team. So you got, you're going to be playing some tough pass rushers this year. Chase Young. Um, you know, the Colts had the Colts have uh, Darius Defar- Leonard, yeah, Darius Leonard, DeFar uh, Buckner. You have um, Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack. Who else do you say? Oh, you said the Packers. Packers have a pretty strong defense. Zadarius Smith, Zadarius Smith. God, yeah, this is this is a solid. I mean, they're gonna now look. We don't know what other teams are gonna do, too. We don't know what the Arizona Cardinals are gonna add, we don't know what other teams are gonna add this year in free agency. But listen, these are, I'm just running down a few of their free agents for this year. So I don't know who they're going to bring back. K.J. Wright, key part of their linebacking group. Bruce Irvin was one of their pass rushers. So I think he got hurt, though, and missed the season. Mm-hmm. Quentin Dunbar, secondary, was, one of a, was a weak spot on their secondary last year. Carlos Hyde. Mike Iupati was a starting guard. Um, Shaq Griffin, the cornerback. I mean, that's, that's, that's not great. I mean, Chris Carson, Chris Carson's unrestricted. They, they could lose some key guys this year. They could, they very well could. And it's going to be, it's going to be tough to replace these kind of guys. And right now you're $14 million under the cap, but guess what? You got to pay Jamal. Yep. And you think Jamal's going to go into – you think he's going to want to go into his last year without a contract? That ain't going to happen. Exactly. So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, while getting Zach Ertz, yeah, it's great. It's great. But that's not what you need. Mm-hmm. You need to start looking at protecting your quarterback. And that's where your your resources. Honestly, I'd probably re, rebuild the line through the draft. You got to. Now, depending on who they let go, who gets restructured, but then you got to pay Jamal big money. He's going to want big money. And the fact is, he's got some leverage. He's got some leverage in the fact that he set the record for most sacks by a safety. Just yeah, kind of. A- and plus, how how do you justify it to the fans that oh yeah, we're not going to sign this guy back, but we traded two first round picks for him. Yeah. I mean, he literally has all the leverage in the world on. Oh yeah. He could hold out. He could say, all right, well, screw you. I'm not going to play for you. You know, you know, that's what we'll see where Jamal's loyalties really lie. (laughs) Okay. But again, right now, I don't know if this team's going to be as good next year. I don't think so. And eventually you're going to have to pay DK Metcalf because DK Metcalf's going to want a new contract. 
But again, you know, as long as as long as they have Russell Wilson, anything is really possible for them. And do and that and that just attests how good of a quarterback Russell I mean, Wilson is. Look, at the end of the day, I'm not even sure if the Niners would have been. I'm not even sure if the Seahawks would have been the best team in the league had the Niners not suffered so many re- crazy injuries. True. You know, Nick Bosa tearing his ACL, Solomon Thomas tearing his ACL. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt. I mean, they, they their team was dropping like flies. Yeah. Sherman got hurt, pretty much missed the season. If that team was at least 50% of those guys there, I don't think the Seahawks win the division. I really don't. I thought they were a really mediocre team last year. I really do, I really do think that. So I think they're going to be – I don't think they're going to be as good as advertised next year. And, again, you're running into a problem now where you got to pay Jamal. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a lot of cap space to do it. So there's going to be some cuts made. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. You know, guys may not be back. And I think the defense is going to take a hit even if you bring Jamal back. Because mm-hmm. then you got to replace guys. You may have to replace a guy like Quentin Dunbar. You may have to replace a guy like Shaq Griffin. Mm-hmm. KJ Wright's a big part of that defense, you know, linebacker. So, again, at the end of the day, I don't know, man. I just just judging by what I'm seeing, I don't think they're going to be. I think they're going to be taking a step back in 2021, which is great news for us, right, Clem? Oh yeah, because we get the pick. <laughs> What's that? No, I said I agree with you 100. percent But I would say their number one priority this offseason has to be protecting the quarterback, and you're kind of seeing a little bit of a changing of the guard, right? Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is this elite team, and I just don't think they're going to be that good. You know. And I'm sure a lot of other teams don't think people think they're going to be as good. And like you said, Tom has been the coach for 14 years and yeah, they've made a few AFC championship games and all that stuff, but they've won one Super Bowl. One Super Bowl in 13 years is not good. It's not. No, listen, I'll take one Super Bowl in 13 years for my, our squad <laughs> but for a team that always goes into every season with high expectations where a lot of people do pick them to win the Super Bowl, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. The fact that they've only won one Super Bowl under Tomlin, part of me thinks it's Tomlin being, could be a bit overrated. You know? I I know you use that term a lot on the show, but there are a lot of people overrated in this world. (laughs) So those are my two teams that I think in 2021 are going to take steps back. We're going to keep doing this as we go along, as the season goes along. Different sports. You know, we're going to look at teams that could be taking steps forward in 2021 and teams that will be taking steps back in 2021. Mm-hmm. And now two definitely on my list, the Seattle Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, some minor notes, Islanders lost four to one to the Penguins tonight, which is fine. They were playing, they've been playing pretty good hockey again, which is good. Pajot has been on a tear, which is what I wanted to see, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Rangers have been struggling a bit. They lost to the Devils. Did they lose tonight or did they win? I don't know. Okay. Don't don't check. You don't have to check. It's okay. okay. I, <laughs> I know they played the Flyers. The Flyers have a few guys out from COVID um, that were that are still on the COVID list. So, but the Rangers had a brutal game the other night against the Devils. That was a tough. That was a tough loss for them. Yeah, it was. But I also think. Listen, here's what I'll say about the Rangers real quickly before we get out of here. I think the Rangers are under some expectations because of how good Igor Shesterkin played last year to this year, 
how good Panarin was in his first year as a Ranger. Mm-hmm. You know, Zabinajad with a strong season. Um, Pavel Buchnevich. And then, of course, you know, Capo Caco and, you know, the rest, of, the rest of the team in general. And then this year, you know, of course, you know, Alexis Lafreniere is the number one overall pick. He's on the roster. Keandre Miller's up and everything. So I think the expectations are high. But we also forget that the Rangers are a very young team. Mm-hmm. So we got to take that into consideration when we're dealing with them. You know, that being said, for a devil team that hadn't played in over a week, and on top of that, it's at Madison Square Garden, the fact that you lost 5-2 to two is really bad. And then on top of that, Jacob Truba got hurt. So he's out for four to six weeks, which is a – that's a tough blow to the defense. Mm-hmm. So while I'm willing to give the Rangers a bit of a pass because they are a young team, they're, you know, they're, you know, and everything, the fact is, is they should they should be better than this. And they they're should. not. No, they really should be. And again, like you said, yeah, they're young and everything like that. But you got to have at least some some high expectations for this team, especially with the way they – they went into last season. Panera was up for MVP of the NHL. That's how good. And they have a lot of young guys. Avanajed's really good. Lafreniere is really good. Uh, Capo Caco, again, very good. Like, I mean, Lafreniere, give him a break. He's only been in the NHL for yeah. a month. So we'll give him a little bit. We'll get him a, like a pass, you know, a little bit. But I just think at the end of the day, though, they should be better than this. They should be more, you know, it's just very odd that they're not really, they're not scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Shesterkin, I think, has been good for the most part. I think he's also given up some softies, but just like every other team does, it's not like it's any different. Mm-hmm. But I just think overall, I think the Rangers should be better, and I think you can't lose to a team like the Devils, who have literally been on a COVID vacation. Yeah, with all the guys they had in the COVID nineteen protocol. Yeah, you can't you can't let that happen. Okay, do you expect any changes for elimination chamber on Sunday? Any title changes, anything? I'm expecting – I don't know. You have to give know. a quick prediction right now. Uh, quick prediction. Um, I think Drew wins – I don't know, man. I, I Drew wins the Raw. Daniel Bryan wins the SmackDown. Uh, Riddle wins the United States title. You think Riddle's going to be Lashley on Sunday? I think so. I mean, they. I mean, just why you're going to have this this storyline with Riddle for this so it feels like it's been dragging out forever with with the hurt business and Riddle. You might as well just give Riddle the title. I mean, I don't hate it, mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't know. Like, well, the the I don't know what they're doing with Oscar and Lacey Evans now that uh, Rick impregnated Lacey, so we don't know what that's going on. She's oh. actually pregnant from what I read. She's yeah, she's real life pregnant, not by Rick. There goes but. that feud from Charlotte Flair. <laughs> I mean, listen, there's nothing you can do about that, but I mean it's just like I think WWE's trying too hard to make Lacey Evans work. And I don't think he I don't think she's over with the crowd. I think she's had her her chance, and I don't think she got over with the crowd. I just think it's it's a done deal. And that, I like it. I like Lacey Evans. I think she can work, but it's just like they the way they made her out to be in on the Royal roster, it's like, like it it made you uninterested in Lacey Evans. It's like this isn't the ass kicker that we saw like develop and like oh I'm like okay, we're ready we're ready for this Lacey Evans push. And then like they kind of dumbed her down a little bit, not dumbed her down, but like they brought her character down a little bit. It was like I'm not into this anymore. 
Uh, apparently, Kiefer Bellows did not have a good day game tonight against the Penguins because Trotz, Trotz didn't rip him, but he basically kind of criticized him after the game. Oh, so Things you um, don't want to hear. Yeah, it's just like you – know, I haven't seen the game or the highlights, but it just said, quote, Barry Trotz on Kiefer Bellows, quote, he's been in every meeting, every practice, so there's no excuses. I won't make any excuses for Kiefer, and he won't make any for himself. Mm-hmm. Now, Cole went in and really did a, and did a really good job. Wally went in. I'm assuming he meant Oliver Wallstrom. He's done a really good job. That was Kiefer's opportunity, end quote. So it doesn't sound like he's very high on Kiefer Bellows these days. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people are. Um. Outside of that, the only other news was uh, Vincent Jackson's family just uh, mentioned that they are going to be donating his brain for CTE research. Um, there's still no word on how he died. Uh, supposedly, though, he was dealing with alcoholism. It was. Did, um, he, did he? Was it? What is it? Suicide or? I don't know if it was suicide or not. I'm not 100 percent sure what it was. I haven't really seen the the full story of it. I just said it, all I saw the last day was that he was, had been dealing with alcoholism. Let me see if I can find it real quick. But I'm assuming if they found him in a hotel by himself, I mean, he's probably not in a good place. Um, yeah, it's, Jackson was found dead by his housekeeper in a room in uh, the Homewood Suites in Florida with no apparent signs of trauma. The sheriff announced that Jackson may have suffered from chronic alcoholism, which may contribute to his death. Uh, family believed he suffered from brain disease from CTE and yeah they're doing that so basically yeah so no official word yet so, alright so we'll find out more and more but mm-hmm. you know, whenever that the CTE stuff you know you hope that man you're going to see a lot more players I think retiring at young ages as soon yeah. as these guys make enough money I think they're hidden they're, they're gone you know, 30 is going to I don't the blame them. I really don't blame them. 30 years old is going to become the new retirement age. I'm convinced of it. It's going to be for NFL, especially NFL players. Maybe not necessarily basketball or hockey or baseball, mm-hmm. but football, definitely. I'd say by 30 years old, I would not be surprised if those guys are, are uh, gone because yeah. the hits are just getting out of control now, you know. All right, well, listen, everybody, that's going to do it for the Moffat on the Mic show for this Thursday night. We'd like to thank everybody for checking us out. Again, follow the show on Facebook, my show on Facebook, as well as on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic. You can follow Clem and the A1 Sports Network at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, thanks to Carragher for chiming in with some comments. Uh, always, always love that he's uh, checking out the show for us. And uh, again, we want to give a shout out to our, our good friends in Texas, Jake Asman, and uh, the What's Wrong With Wrestling guys, Andrew Pisano, Joe Pisano. And Eric Hamilton, man, we hope you guys are staying safe out there. Um, you know, that's pretty much all we can really say. Luckily, the temperatures are going to start to go up next week, which is some really good news. But you never thought you'd see the day where Texas was in a deep freeze, where they people couldn't even, like, leave their houses. Or, you know, since there's no snow tires, all the cars are skidding out of control on the roads because the roads are completely iced over. It's just, it's just crazy. But... Well, it's like Jay, it's like Jake said, it's like it's forty degrees in his apartment, and it's like, I I can't even imagine that. Like, yeah. I would be frozen. I mean, but it's like you have no heat, so you can't even make food. It's like, what do you do? I mean, like, it's like, it's almost like, I mean, not like the Hunger Games, but it's almost as if like you're trying to survive. I mean, it's 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 like survival of the fittest down there. 
Yeah, it's like if you watch any movie about a guy that's stuck in the forest and he can't get out and he doesn't know how to, you know, he's got to figure out ways to live. And that's pretty much what it is. I mean, does that mean like when you see, if you see a chicken running across the street, you're going to like jump on it and kill it immediately? No, 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 next, no, no, next, bad. We're going we're gonna to turn on the news and it's going to be like fucking Jake, Lord of the Flies. It's going to be Jake Asman kills bear with bare hands to keep warm and needed needed food for uh, got, like the chicken blood under his eyes like it's the eye line like the, <laughs> like the uh, you know the eye black that, that NFL players use and stuff like that and athletes use but no it all kidding aside you know we, we really hope you guys are staying safe out there and uh, we look forward to you know hearing you guys stuff as always the What's Wrong With Wrestling podcast and of course the Jake Asman show so Clem thank you for holding it down like you normally do um monday sounds good to me all right so that's it everybody stay safe out there it's still freezing ass cold outside wear your mask just stay out of trouble and everything and just stay safe overall have a great weekend enjoy the games whatever games are even on now that football is pretty much done but spring training is back and that's all you know that's a pretty good sign as we get closer to, to the start of the new nfl uh football season so again on behalf of clem i am craig this is the moffat on the mic show everybody stay safe have a great weekend We'll be back Monday night right here on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page. Have a great weekend, everybody.